welcome to episode 350 of the Doctor Event, a Doctor Who podcast. My name is David, and I'm here with my wife, Hello. And we're going to talk about episode one of Underworld. We open with a scene of deep space, a pan of uh, stars and various space bodies, and then we see the TARDIS appear, um, fly through one area, and then... We see inside the TARDIS, uh, Leela is at the controls, uh, console is moving, and then they stop. And she's like, oh, we stopped? We're, we're nowhere. Why, why do we stop? And um, so she calls out to the doctor, and he comes out and turns on the view screen, and there's just blackness. And um, she's like, well, how, how terribly boring. And he says, no, well, this is amazing we're at the edge of the cosmos anything could happen there could be a formation of um, something right here and we'd be the first to see it and K9 says uh, no not first he says um, says we're alone at the edge of the the uh, time and space the galaxy and and K9 again says no not alone <laughs> and then he finally ask K9 what he means and so he says that well, he picked up the uh, ion signal and uh, no they're not the first ones there as they are talking about this there's a huge swirling bright colored gas cloud forms um, near them and doctor says oh it's look at this happening it's this uh, gas cloud that's uh, sucking in everything around him and, and Lee says is that good and he says no we better get out of here so he rushes through the controls and um, quickly to take them away um, he sets the coordinates to be what K9 had told him where the um, ion drive he had discovered was located and was detected so they uh, materialize out of there we see another ship flying through space, um, and the gas cloud is in the, the distance. Uh, on the inside of the ship, there are pe- various people around the bridge and at various controls, and we hear the TARDIS materialization sound, and they hear it too. And they try and track down where the sound is coming from or what the sound was, and they replay it, and they're searching their databases, and they haven't identified it yet. So the Doctor and Leela have um, materialized in a part of their ship, and they exit the TARDIS, and the Doctor is examining uh, an artifact that um, he quickly realizes is from the Minion civilization and that thousands or thousands of years ago um, they've been destroyed um, and they're from the other side of the universe. So he's pondering this question of how could they be from from this race of people. Meanwhile on the bridge the crew have identified the sound as the time ships of their gods. The doctor tells more about the minions to Leela. He said that they 
helped this civilization, um, and the minions thought that they that the Time Lords were their gods. Um, they helped them out, but they soon they were discovered. They split the atom and discovered the toothbrush, and then they started fighting amongst each other, and they turned against all the the help that our, the Time Lords were trying to give them, and they started they fought each other and destroyed each other. And kick the time lords out of their off their planet. Back on the bridge, Captain Jackson is uh, mentions that oh, if they're the god, if it's the time ship of the gods, maybe there's maybe they'll help us. Um, the crewman Herrick speaks very unfavorably of the gods and how that you know they had turned on them before and if he if there is a um, a god there then he would do the same as his ancestors had done and they uh, they continue their scans um, the other crew members of the the ship is called the R1C uh, uh, there's a woman named Tala Herrick like you said and Captain Jackson and then Orif Orf 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 is uh, the other one and they um, say that yes maybe the gods will help but they have to continue their um, their scanning because a quest is a quest there Tala collapses forward at her station um, and hits a switch and the, the ship lists terribly and um, they're jostled about. Doctor and Leela in the room where they were exploring are, are thrown to the floor. K9 says something about having a blast malfunction and um, the doctor kind of moves his head out of the way and we see a blaster from K9 um, and then everyone recovers from the from the shift. Leela is looking at um, kind of a shield device with a, a what's that, octagonal design of other smaller octagonals making up this um, and a kind of a crystal-like stone in the middle and a handle in the back. So it's kind of like a shield weapon of some kind and she asks Doctor what that is and she says, I don't don't be brandishing weapons you don't understand or something like that. But she walks out with it anyway. Um, so Tala has collapsed with, it uh, appears old age. She's very old compared to the rest of the crew. And so the doctor steps right up and says, can I help? Um, they say, well, who are you? He says, I'm the doctor, can I help? And he says, are you the, are you the, um, one of the gods, the time gods? And he says, I'm a time, I'm the time lord. Um, Herrick is the first one to react to badly and say, what he just said is the doctor. And, um, Leela steps in with the shield weapon and, and threatens. And the other crewman, Orf, has this ray gun that he aims and it 
she turns to him and says, thank you. There's like a little musical tone and she's immediately calm. Um, again, Herrick said, Herrick, um, makes a, a comment and, um, Orf uses the ray, the pacifier ray on Herrick and now he's calmed down. So they take Tala away. Um, and Captain Jackson talks to the doctor and says how, you know, their ship is starting to kind of disintegrate. It's getting broken down. I think he says their, their navigation was off. Something, some part of their navigation was, was broken. Um, and, but they keep on because the quest is the quest. Um, Herrick has taken Tala to there's his room with all of his kind of like reclined benches um, and rows and rows and she's on one of them. Um, then Captain Jackson tells the doctor how um, they have been regenerating themselves over and over and they're, they're I, I guess that's what he was saying that they're thousands of years old themselves because they've regenerated themselves on these banks of these bench banks and then we see Tala actually regenerate and become a younger woman, younger self and is revived Jackson says how they're tracking a, a ship called the P7E um, they've been tracking it for thousands of years this is their their quest is the quest and that's what it is is to track down this colony ship because that's that was the future of the minions of their race but they they catch the signal and then they keep losing it and then they catch the signal again the doctor calls to K9 and has him hook himself to some of their navigational controls that were not functioning and so K9 can help control the ship um, so that they can avoid this cloud, this nebula that's forming, this gas cloud. Um, and so canine, with canine's help, he gets them navigated, uh, navigates them through the cloud. Um, Leela is still pacified and thinks that Orf's just a lovely man and she's like smitten and so calm that the doctor says to her and reminds her that you are a warrior and you're bad-tempered and you know, <laughs> impulsive and can bring, brings her out of it, um, I guess kind of by a form of hypnosis, but not as he normally does. Um, no spinning watch or anything, but it just gets her to regain herself. Um, and she gets upset because she thinks everyone is laughing at her, so she walks, stomps away, and um, is pouting on another part of the ship. So they found the signal for the PS-P7E again. Um, I wanted to call it the PS3. Don't ask me why. Um, the P7E again. And then the Jackson says, well, it's inside the cloud. They must you know, we must go in there and follow it. It's like, we just came out of there. The doctor tries to tell them not to do that because it could destroy them. Um, he says, no, if the 
P7E1 in there, then we can go in there as well. Um, and the doctor still warns against it. He says that um, the P7E was probably inside the cloud from the start. And that's why they, maybe why they keep losing it. Um, so the doctor tries to block him and tells K9 not to navigate for them. But they, um, I think Herrick grabs the doctor or someone threatens Leela. And so the doctor has to give in and tell K9 to help them navigate through the cloud again. So they seem to make it through partway. All right. They're kind of battered and everything, but they're still functional. So they try to take themselves into the front end of the cloud on manual, but then now there's no visibility. Then they notice that they're, they're slowing down. They're going full power, but they're slowing down. Now they can't find a signal for the P7E, and now they're at no speed at full power, and they don't know why. <clears throat> Um, the doctor says, well, you can't have everything. Um, <laughs> they are, he says, well, what's happening is we're in a, we're a large object in a cloud of debris and our gravitational pull is stronger than theirs and we're becoming covered by this debris and becoming, we'll becoming a planet. So they're attracting these other bits, and so we see outside the ship these bits of meteorite and rock and space dust and everything just conglomerating on the ship. Uh, um, they, the doctor says, well, what about your laser cannon? And he has them fire the laser cannon to try to break out some of the, the bits and also to, I think also to um, heat up the ship so that some of the particles would drop off. Um, but K9 still says that the hull thickness is increasing more and more as more, um, more bits are attaching themselves to the ship and covering it. And it's getting hotter and hotter inside the ship. And it's been the end. It's an obvious parallel to Jason and the Argonauts. Yes, I, I wrote that down as a, a notation that they make it through the cloud. Uh, canine gets them through the cloud as the as they made it through the whirlpool. Yeah. Away from a monster. I forget the, the name of the Charybdis. Uh, we have a, a, quite a few interesting things in that we've I, I don't it's not very often that we encounter people that know of the Time Lords that mm, the Time true. Lords have helped before or, um, or not helped. or not helped before or thought they were helping and then turned out not to be and then get thrown off the planet um <laughs> But we find out this interesting bit of information um, about them and their history and maybe 
a reason why the Time Lord Council has more rules about non-interference. Maybe the minions were the the bad example, yeah. of bad Time Lord uh, management. You know, we'll not do this again. We do not interfere with the with developing civilizations again because of the minions. You know, you can say. that as a, a lesson against that maybe um, and well because they have encountered his race before um, the doctor actually says I'm the time lord um, he doesn't often identify what he is true but because he knows their history um, and how his his history mixes with theirs I think is why he says that he is a Time Lord. Do you think he was being a little pompous given the situation? Um, maybe a little. I noticed he did. He does say, "I'm the Time Lord." Yeah. Not, I'm a Time Lord. Which, in the current series, we would not make a point of mentioning right but at this point uh, we know there are others because we've met the master we've met the monk we've met the warlord mm -hmm. the war chief yep um so he's not just the time lord but maybe so uh, that or it could be because he knows that he, their people thought of them as gods that's that's what I meant so Maybe he, oh, maybe he, oh, not that he was just being pompous for no reason, but that because he, that he was playing up being po a little pompous because of being seen as a god in the past. I think he was doing that on purpose because of how they saw his people before. I think he was enjoying being thought of as a god. Oh. Is what I was getting at. Okay. It felt like. That's the way the character was being written or portrayed, at least. Mm. Well, I, I didn't really sense that too much because he always comes in because and inserts himself right away into the situation. Can I help? What What's going on? And you know, says something pithy or witty or. Um, meant to be more intelligent than the people he's around mm -hmm. um, even before he knows who they are so it seems to be something normal yeah <laughs> um, and another thing is that the, these the minions can regenerate themselves mm -hmm. and they can do it more than 12 times essentially maybe they can do it a lot I mean they've been doing this for their ancient people and they've been regenerating regenerating themselves so it's not something we've seen anyone else do but time lords and the doctor makes a quip about um, well Jackson says something about how often they've, they've done it um, and did he, did he know how it was? And he says, yeah, a couple, three times. I've been, <laughs> I've done it a couple, three times now. 
was the thing that the doctor was holding in and he broke it? Look like a crystal. Did he break it? Well, oh, when, it broke. Oh, when they when they shifted when Tala collapsed into the the control that shifted the ship. Maybe? No, oh, it was while she was regenerating, or after she just finished. It was just part of the ship. I, I missed that he broke anything. Though. I just couldn't tell what it was. Yeah. If it was a crystal they were using for regenerating or... Yeah. Or if it had just sort of worn out. Or if it was just part of their decaying, decrepit ship or something. Um, they said how some of their equipment was so old. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe we'll find out more. So, they made a point in the info track to say how the these writers have used these repetitive phrases in the other stories they've done. Mm-hmm. So we had they did Eldrad must live was there was from the hand of fear. Mm-hmm. Contact has been made. The invisible enemy. We were just talking about that one today. Um, and this one is the quest is the quest. So I'm sure we will get tired of hearing that. I know we will. I already am. Already are. We've heard it. Isn't it three times now? Yeah, at least. We can keep a tally. How many times have we heard quest is the quest? Then you've already said it twice. <laughs> well, three times once in my. Yeah, true. Recap, so. It's like in Princess Bride. How many times does he <laughs> say, my name is Emmanuel Montoya? I think I got to 11. I tried to count once. I think I got to 11. I can't remember. Because I get to watch the movie and I forget to keep counting. So, but that was the last, my last attempt was 11. He goes to 11. Um, huh? <laughs> Do you have anything else? I don't think so. What do you think about Leela and the, the pacifying Ray of Orpheus? Orf. I think that that thing is going to come back and become useful at some point. Otherwise, there's no point in, in showing something like that. Yeah, and showing it twice. Yeah. Not only Leela, but Herrick, because he is... Um, just reacting badly to mm-hmm. the Doctor as their, their god, time god. So that'll be interesting. I thought it was funny that it not only worked as a pacifier to her, but she seemed really taken with Orf. Maybe because he, he was the operator, I guess. Maybe. She was, oh, what a lovely man he is, or something like that, she says. And that's and she's like moony-eyed after him. I didn't think that's at the point where the doctor steps in and says, no, listen, you are a warrior. <laughs> You are brash, and you are 
um, bad-tempered and violent and then um, she draws her knife and is very upset and she's like who did that to me who did and he says well he did first she thinks Herrick did and then she says he says no he did or and of course she she doesn't say anything after that but then she gets upset because she thinks everyone's laughing at her so you wouldn't expect Leela to pout though she does though yeah is that a sign of her call it training with the doctor Becoming more human. Or certainly more childish. More and more childish. Could be. He does. He pouts a bit. He has his moments. Well, he has his moments. Yeah. Moments usually Sarah Jane would like to point out. Why he was being sullen or pouty couple times mm-hmm. um, so maybe she's picked it up from him because she's she's not the the companion who's going to point out in the doctor that he's being pouty but she may see that he's his reaction and begin to incorporate it mm-hmm. maybe it might just be imitation. Yeah. Her violent reaction is not out of character. Mm-mm. But it seemed a little bit funky to me that she was pouting like a little girl. It's funny when they call it captured them and put them into the onto the couches up in the upper deck. Mm-hmm. They didn't take Lula's knife. Even though she just threatened them with it. Mm. model of the ship moving through space actually was pretty good mm-hmm. um, it didn't wobble that I could see it really was a very steady movement and it was nicely done on the outside little bridge work is kind of standard um, bridge work with the upper area and stairs up to it and that type of thing mm-hmm. um, their outfits their crew outfits are probably um, much the same kind of gold bronzy irony bronzy um, uh, color with a, like, the raised tubing edging on the shoulder around the epaulets and around the arms and over the chest area that you know kind of ringing the, the limbs uh, which is kind of a, a become kind of a classical treatment of a space mm-hmm. type suit um, otherwise that they don't seem to any different affectation or uh, appearance 
other than that. Normal Terran uh, society or whatever. So we, we don't look too different. Um, but enough that you know, we know who they are and where they are. That's the important thing. And I think that the, the look of it seems nice. Even the shield weapon that she picks up um, is kind of uh, nicely designed with the hexagonal pieces that fit together around the, the main stone in the middle. Um, it's kind of nicer than just a square or a circle or you know, a more simple geometric shape. A little more interest in how it looks, how it functions. Mm -hmm. So pretty good. Not bad for first episode. Mm -mm. Cliffhanger? Yeah, so they're they're like um, hook and loop closure <laughs> type uh, material for all the debris in the cloud. This is not called Velcro. <laughs> but they're they're attracting all this debris and being covered with it. What a way to go. Yeah. Like being inside a vacuum tube. Oh, I mean yeah. a Hoover vacuum tube. They will be underground. Underworld. Is that the underworld? Under all the debris? It's what it looks like so far. Yeah. So yeah, I guess it's all right as a an opening episode cliffhanger. They're in a situation. They're all together in it, and it doesn't seem to be a way out that's very obvious right away. Not sure I can think of how they're gonna get away from that right off. Mm -hmm. So not that oh yeah you know that this is going to happen and then they'll be fine you know something like that will happen probably but can't really come up with it right now that you know what the obvious answer is to get them out of this situation so I think it was fun enough me too okay. anything else? No, it seemed like there was something we were talking about the other day. You uh, mentioned about the doctor and Leela and one of the other. Can't recall what it was, though. Something I thought we could mention in this show. Sorry. Alright. Well, maybe we'll remember by tomorrow. <laughs> or Monday. When we talk about episode two of Underworld. So, join us then and thank you for listening.